gets a breakaway. We'll be walking out of here as a national champ. I expect nothing less. There goes Davis. Oh, my God. Davis is going to run it all the way back. Dobbs heaves it. They're bunched up in the end zone. It's tipped up. It's caught. It is caught. Ladies and gentlemen, it's Saturday night in Death Valley. GASN Sports presents the Saturday Supremacy Podcast. Celebrating the passion, traditions, and pageantry surrounding college football Saturdays. Featuring weekly guests and hard-hitting analysis. And now, please welcome your hosts, Noah Groninger and Clint Schweitzer. I tell you what, Noah, this weekend college football just has that aura about it. We've all been looking forward to this. It's finally going to happen. The college football playoff rankings are out. And instead of number one versus number two, we get number two versus number three. But you know what? That does not dampen my mood in the slightest because we've got LSU and Alabama going at it this weekend. It's the third time this has happened. I think the eyes of the college football world are going to be on Tuscaloosa on Saturday, unless you're me and you're being shipped off to Athens for Missouri versus Georgia. Another story for another uh, time in the show. But Noah, we've all been looking forward to this. We're going to be uh, getting into this a lot more. Going to be welcoming a very special guest, uh, former LSU receiver Dwayne Bowe, to talk about it. We're going to be talking Florida State and their head coaching search with former Noel Marvin Snoop Menace. It's a loaded show on the Saturday Supremacy Podcast. My co-host, as always, Mr. Noah Groniger. How excited is this? This weekend is going to be one of those, I think, that we circle. It's been since 2011, since these two teams met as number one and number two, or number two and number three, as the playoff rankings dictate. What's your thoughts on this? What's going to happen? Who wins? And uh, we'll go ahead and sign off from there. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, first of all, I'm horrified. I think you watched Tuesday night as they went through and kind of went from 25 all the way up to the four that are in the playoff if uh, the season were to end today. I think you watched that Tuesday night and said, no, it's number two versus number three with LSU Alabama. But I don't know why you did that. I gave my rankings. It's number one versus number two, LSU and Alabama. We did it on GASN Sports. I took care of that. So I'm not sure why you're watching this Tuesday show. So I'm a little horrified by that. Yeah, uh, No, no, you're right. And it's really something that doesn't really demand, especially you know when you've got, and we're splitting hairs. This is all going to take care of itself. I don't like to sit here and comb through every single ranking <laughs> and why they're this way. But I'm not putting Penn State ahead of Clemson. The defending national champions deserve to at least be in the top four. That's the four teams that are going to the playoff. So even though this is all going to take care of itself, uh, the, the four of the teams are going to play each other at the top four. So this is not going to be how it shakes out, but you're right. And I think that we're going to be talking with Dwayne Bowe. Guess what? This is a player that uh, won a national championship as a freshman playing for LSU. Nick Saban was the coach that recruited him there. He went on to a great career with the Kansas City Chiefs, third all-time leading receiver. He was an um, all-SEC player uh, for the LSU Tigers uh, under Les Miles. So the emotions have got to be really high for him. Thinking about his former coach, now coaching Alabama, the machine that he's built there, taking on his former team, the LSU Tigers, that won uh, a national championship in 03, and what a big-time situation that was. So Dwayne Bowe is going to be coming on to talk about it. When you look at it, we've been, so to speak, of Joe Burrow this entire season. He's having a Heisman season. And he's someone that we were able to meet and talk with at SEC Media Days back in, in July. So we've been you know, well-versed with uh, Joe Burrow going all the way back to the summer. And he's delivered on the field. Um, I think it was a big win a couple weeks ago when LSU was able to stave off 
uh, a scrappy Auburn team, not their best offensive output. This game here says to me shootout, but a lot of that could be dictated on the availability of Tua Tagovailoa. Is he going to be healthy on that ankle? Is is uh, Matt Jones going to have to come in and play? How do you see this playing out? Is this as simple as this is where we're at in SEC football now that the two top teams that, that uh, back in 2011 played like a nine to six game and now it's going to be 48 41. What's this game going to look like? Yeah, I think so. I think it's going to be up and down and uh, I think it just kind of levels the playing field even more with the Tua Tagovailoa ankle surgery. Uh, is he going to be back and how healthy is he going to be when he comes back and especially against a formidable opponent in LSU, but you got Mac Jones out there as well. Uh, is he going to have to come in like you mentioned? I don't know, but You've got Nick Saban, so that kind of raises them, whether it's a hobbled Tua Tagovailoa, whether it's Mac Jones in there. You've got the evil genius over there in Nick Saban, and he's always going to have his guys ready to go, especially on the defensive side. But we have seen that secondary for Alabama not look like a regular Alabama defense and secondary. They can be had, and if there's someone who can do it, maybe better than anyone else in the country, it's Joe Burrow out there slinging that thing all around. They're empty formation, five wide receivers. They are going to be tested all day there in Tuscaloosa. And uh, it's going to be a crazy atmosphere. Like you said, some of these former players are going to be watching like Dwayne Bowe, rooting their guys on. And uh, maybe a little bit of mixed emotions there with this former coach in Alabama, but uh, don't get it mixed up. He's uh, purple and yellow all the way. Dwayne Bowe's going to be rooting on his LSU Tigers and Joe Burrow uh, to take down Alabama, be in the SEC championship game, and uh, hoist that championship at the end of the year in the college football playoff. Is this a defining moment for Ed Ogeron? You know, we've seen him kind of rebuild this LSU brand. I mean, when he took over back in 2016, they were, you know, you had uh, running backs like Darius Geis, Leonard Fournette. They were still the LSU that, you know, that, that we think of when you think of LSU running the ball, playing defense. All of a sudden, Ed Ogeron looked within himself and decided that he had to change and he had to change the way they played offense. And that a big part of that was bringing an offensive coordinator, uh, Steve Insminger. Uh, that to me has been a huge asset to the LSU and for them, for this offense to change the way they did it, to make it more air raid, to make Joe Burrow, putting him in the position to get it out to these really athletic wide receivers that they have, including Jefferson. Um, is this a defining moment for Odron? We saw him basically fail at Ole Miss. He, to, in a temporary role, became the uh, interim coach at, L, at USC. So he's had some, some experience with bigger programs. Now, all of a sudden, he's in this limelight. He's built this team to be a national championship caliber team. It's almost like a loss here, and they just kind of go back into the the pecking order of teams trying to knock off Alabama. I like Ed Ogeron, um, but I I don't know if I give him all this credit for kind of switching it. I give him a ton. He's the head coach. He's the guy in charge of everything, and you have to give him credit for this move even though I'm kind of giving credit to the guy and what he's done, Joe Brady, coming over from the New Orleans Saints. Uh, he's their passing game coordinator, wide receivers coach. Uh, if you remember right, Joe Burrow was here last year, but he was under center. It was still kind of a run-heavy offense. And now Joe Brady comes in over from the New Orleans Saints, and it is wide open. And uh, like I'm talking about Joe Brady here and giving him all the credit and kind of making Joe Burrow what he is, you got to give credit to Ed Ogeron for making the move, bringing him in, seeing what he had in Joe Burrow, seeing that, okay, I know this is how LSU, LSU has done it recently, but this guy can sling the rock and we've got to do something and get someone in here who knows the passing game, who can exp- 
span the playbook and the plays that we're running out here really helped the wide receivers, the quarterback, and he did that by finding Joe Brady, bringing him in, and it has been a home run so far. Loser of this game, are they in good shape still? I think so. I mean, you're looking at it. You've got Clemson at number five. Uh, Penn State and Ohio State, they're going to meet here, and uh, one of them's going to fall. So uh, LSU strong at number two and number three teams. I think even with one loss, someone can still get in the playoff. If you have a, a Clemson in there, you've got Alabama, uh, you're probably going to have Ohio State, then I feel like that fourth team can be the loser of this game. It's going to be interesting because I think that uh, it seems to me committee – may try to do everything they can to get two SEC teams in here, whether that be, uh, you know, Georgia. Uh, Georgia, although could spoil this whole thing, um, Georgia could be the one as they creep back into it. Now, I think they're sitting at, what, six? They could really uh, kind of be the foil here, and if they were able to win out and uh, beat LSU or Alabama, you might have a situation where only Georgia gets in from the SEC, kind yeah. of a nightmare for the Southeastern Conference. Absolutely. Uh, I'm not a big fan of Georgia. I mean, they did come back and they beat Florida, an impressive game and down there in Jacksonville. And Jake Fromm played well and the running game was working. And uh, the, Georgia's defensive line, offensive line, they were just mammoths. They were throwing people, the Florida Gators around, doing whatever they wanted with them. I didn't expect that, but that's what happened. And uh, so you got to give Kirby Smart and the Georgia Bulldogs a ton of credit. And uh, like I said, Jake Fromm hasn't looked impressive in recent weeks, but this Florida game, he was out there, he was making smart plays, and uh, they got the win, so I have to be a little bit more impressed with them, but I just, when they go up against LSU, Alabama, I just don't think they have enough in the holster uh, to come out with a win in one of those games. Well, we want to go ahead and bring on uh, our first guest here on the Saturday Supremacy Podcast, LSU in Alabama, former LSU and Kansas City Chiefs wide receiver Dwayne Bow, Money Bow. Uh, he has made the transition from athlete to rapper, and yes, that uh, he has coined the term raplete, so... Dwayne, welcome to the show, man. How's everything going? Oh, uh, man, everything's good. Enjoying being retired and starting my new journey. Absolutely, and congratulations on that and everything you've done, man. And um, it was just a couple months ago you released uh, the, the Drip on Drip single and the video for that. Great stuff. Um, really great visuals in that, man. You're really bringing it. Um, talk to us about the the single drip on drip, kind of uh, what the concept was for the video on that, and just kind of uh, take us back to that, and then kind of how you came up with that song, and who you kind of collaborated with on that thing. Um, uh, my good friend is from Kansas City, uh, Nave Manjo. Uh, hey, boss. He's a good songwriter, good beat maker, and he's uh, from Kansas City. And when I was playing for the Chiefs, I always had the style to play with the drip, as you call it, so. When I, when I retired, I always, they called me the Drip, Drip King. So I just figured I'd make a song that, you know, everybody talk about, you know, Drip, but uh, I got the Drip on Drip because I already made it. So I just wanted to add a little extra salt, you know, to my flavor to bring to the rap game to, you know, make positive and motivate, motivation either for the youth and, you know, for the guys and for the lockers. I, I'm sure you're aware you've got uh, this weekend's kind of a big one uh, in, the, in in college football because you've got your old coach who's now at bitter rival Alabama playing your old team the LSU Tigers number one versus number two in Tuscaloosa. Ha, ha, what do you think of this thing? I mean, you've got uh, Joe Burrow kind of ignited the offense there for the your LSU Tigers. In the meanwhile, Nick Saban doing what he does and building another machine there at Alabama. Uh, is this a game you're going to check out this weekend? Are you excited about this? I mean, this is a pretty big one, man. Of course. Of course, it's a big one, and uh, my phone's blowing up as we speak 
right now. <laughs> and uh, I know my guys are going to do it, man. They, uh, you know, I, I definitely mentor a couple of the receivers on the team, and, you know, they, they had been in the book. And it's, it's, it's bigger expectations than when I was playing, you know. And it's like it's, it's more energy, it's more, it's more riding on the line. And I think, you know, with the new coach, haven't won the national yet, and, and actually joining joining that statement in Miles, you know, national team, you know, that'd be amazing. Those guys take it all the way, so I'm for Well, just a little bit more on Joe Burrow here. It's probably been since your day with Jamarcus Russell that LSU has had this kind of talent at quarterback. What have you seen from him, and is this the difference this Saturday in Tuscaloosa at out and uh, against Alabama? Um, and I seen I seen patience, I seen growth. I mean. You know, they, they call him plays that fit that guy. And um, he's running to the tee. He's trusting his receivers. He's, he's letting him play ball. You know, he's taking broken plays and making big plays out of it. It's kind of like he took a page out of Patrick Mahomes' book. And, it, and he's letting it fly. And, that, and that's how you win games. And I think if you just stay on that route and you know, the coaches just, you know, be easy when it's the big games and let guys just relax and play, I think those guys will be like a, the O three team with me and Jamarcus was there. Well, it's it's crazy because we had uh, Michael Clayton on this show not long ago, and he talked about how you know back in two thousand three and before that it was it wasn't necessarily the end thing. It wasn't the cool thing to go to LSU, and a lot of a lot of recruits came in like yourself um, and and him, and, and to to really build that up. And you win a national title as a freshman. Just kind of you know in, in general, take us back to that time at LSU, you know, you started under Nick Saban, you win a national title as a freshman, as a backup player, but you become a prominent player, an all-SEC player. Uh, just kind of take us back through that and how special it was. Oh, uh, man, just leaving high school, leaving leaving Miami and going to sub, just a southern place with Cajun people and hot food and good energy. I mean, for 18-year-old to, to go out of town for the first time in his life and win a national championship, you know, being coached by one of the greatest college coaches ever, it's just, uh, you know, I feel like I was, I was blessed and honored to be, you know, a guy that, that actually did that, went from winning a state championship to a national championship, and, you know, watching my Chiefs, you know, win a Super Bowl is going to, like, complete my, my whole football history, and I can finally leave it alone and, join the whole rap world and never talk about football again. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. That's what we're waiting for as well. Just that chief Super Bowl. We can hang this thing up. But uh, Dwayne, obviously you played in Arrowhead Stadium, probably uh, the best atmosphere in all the NFL. But I want to talk to you about your time at LSU, Saturday night in Death Valley. Is there anything else like that in the country? Oh, my God. Arrowhead might be the only place that right on the edge of Death Valley, but and those guys been drinking since Thursday night. <laughs> They've been cooking raw fish and potatoes and sausage from Monday night. So it's just, it's a whole mixture of gumbo, good energy, man, spices, and, and, and a rivalry, man. It was just, it was crazy. The energy was crazy. It was just, when I, when I just think of Kansas City, the people that show the same love they did at LSU. And I was just like, those are the top two stadiums that I ever played in, and that could be, you could feel the fans breathing on your neck, and that you know that'll force you to make a play or it'll force a break. And I think, you know, playing in those circumstances made me, you know, the receiver I am today, and made me the 
you know, the guy I am now and the guy I'm defending. You've done is tremendous, uh, Money Bo. It's just been uh, wonderful watching this transition in your career and best of luck with everything going forward. Um, the new singles, Drip on Drip. It's tremendous. The video's on YouTube right now, and you can go to moneybowmusic.com uh, and check out uh, all the info, man. And we can't thank you enough for doing this with us today and, and taking us back through some of the great times in your career and leading us to uh, what you're doing now. Best of luck, and we'll catch up soon. Hope you make it back to Kansas City in time for an AFC Championship and maybe a Super Bowl this year, brother. Yes, sir. Thank you. Thanks for having me. There you go. Dwayne Money Bow on the show. How cool was that? Uh, you know, he feels all the confidence in the world for his guys at LSU, and deservedly so. Uh, I know a lot of those guys, man, a lot of the former players that we talked to, uh, we have had Michael Clayton on this show, former wide receiver from LSU, and they're just the anticipation for this is unbelievable. And it's funny because you think about some of the big environments in college football. We know Bryant-Denny Stadium is that. But you know what? It's rare that you have this situation at Bryant-Denny Stadium. How many times do those fans walk in there just to witness a beatdown? This mm -hmm. is a, a, maybe a different once-a-year type atmosphere that uh, Alabama gets. Every other year, of course, they're going to play Auburn. But LSU comes in there, and, of course, it's not always – for, uh, the stakes aren't always as high as they are in this game. So can we see a little bit of a different kind of Bryant-Denny crowd, one that really is as intense as you would see if this game were played at Baton Rouge, or is this uh, you know, still a fan base that's used, so used to winning that this is just kind of another game for them? Oh, I don't think it can be another game, and if anyone thinks that way, they're sadly mistaken. So uh, they need to feel nervous. They need to have the butterflies in the stomach. I know it's rare for them. I know they're not going to be sure what that feeling is like. They're going to wake up. They're going to think they're sick. They're they may go to the ER and uh, try and get some medicine, try and figure out what's wrong with them. It is fine. I need you in those seats. Get to the stadium. Make it a raucous atmosphere. What you're feeling, Alabama fans, is nerves because you should be nervous. Joe Burrow's coming in there. This is not an LSU team that is formidable on defense and it's going to be a knockout drag out they are going to score and score a lot and with Tua injured with Mac Jones your backup you're not sure if you're going to be able to keep pace with them so you should be nervous and uh, I'm looking forward to this game so much I've we've loved meeting Joe Burrow at SEC Media Days we've loved watching him all season we've had these players on Dwayne Bow, Michael Clayton talking about his bravado his confidence something they haven't had since like I mentioned in the interview with Dwayne Bow, Jamarcus Russell back in the day you can make fun of him for his time with the Oakland Raiders what happened in the NFL but he was a college football star he was unbelievable just a massive human being back there at quarterback. You're like, is this an offensive lineman? Is this a defensive end? No, that was their quarterback. He was slinging it around with Dwayne Bowe and those guys down there in Baton Rouge and making huge plays, and that's what they have. Finally, again, it's been what now? 12 years, maybe a little bit more for the LSU trying to find this quarterback. They found it in Joe Burrow, and they have all the opportunity in the world to go off and knock, knock off Alabama in Tuscaloosa. Well, let me get this straight. You know, uh, we're so lucky here at uh, GAS and Sports to be credentialed by the SEC, creden credentialed members of the media, and to be able to cover games. We were at Media Days. We've been, we've of course uh, filmed uh, two SEC football documentaries, and you're shipping me off to Athens, Georgia, from Missouri, Georgia, mm -hmm. when we've got Alabama LSU. Was there some foresight to this? You know, the truth of the matter is, I'm taking my dad down there. Of course, my dad's a massive Missouri fan. We cover the Missouri Tigers on a weekly basis. We know what does uh, the wheels have come off the Missouri Tiger season. But I guess for this weekend, Noah, we're going to make this less about winning, less about going to try to watch Missouri win a football game, and more just about the, the 
chance and being able to take my dad down there and show him Athens. And he's never been to a game there. Athens is one of the most special places on earth. My favorite college town in America. And the Georgia Bulldogs are riding high trying to get back in that playoff picture. So I guess there's some merit to this. I'm going to be able to go yeah. down with some of our friends. You know, it's there's some merit there. We're going to miss I, the, the big one, though. Yeah, I'm usually horrified by people talking about that kind of stuff. We're going for the experience. We're going for the atmosphere. I'm I, when I'm watching sports, I'm there for the win. I am there for a championship. I am. It's a business trip to me. Um, or I'm there to cover these teams, and it's all about being uh, the media, being professional, and and being able to kind of get the inside info and relaying it uh, to people, uh, to our fans on Twitter, on GSNSports.com. And that's what I'm there for. But no, I am all in this with you, Missouri. The wheels have fallen off. Uh, you're going there with your dad, and you're going to be able to provide him this great experience down there uh, in Georgia, Sanford Stadium. Athens is a great town. The fans, uh, the stadium, kind of the catwalk bridge out there outside the stadium. It's going to be amazing for you guys and being able to go up in the press box and being down there on the field and interviewing the coaches, mingle amongst the players. So enjoy it, my friend. Definitely you're going to have to keep an eye on this cool. Alabama LSU game because that yeah. is the game of the weekend. So please don't miss any of that while you're taking in this experience, but please enjoy it as well. You're going to have to multitask is what I'm saying. No, you know, you know, you know, the, the 230 game down there and you know what this is like. We, you've been down there. We went down to Missouri, Georgia in 15. We were there last fall again. Our buddy David Hughes down there is going to have it set up. You know, the tailgate down there is not going to disappoint. My question for you is, you know, my dad, is my dad like prepared <laughs> for a Georgia game day and like the, the, the five-star talent, if you know what I mean, that's sort of yeah. walking oh, around. Yeah. Is yeah. my dad ready for this? You know him. He, I don't think so. He's, <laughs> he's going to be trying to take pictures with his thumb or finger uh, in the camera lens. Uh, he's going to be nudging you the whole time. Oh, look at that. Uh, I think a few fists are going to be bitten. Like, oh, <laughs> oh look at that. But, uh, oh. I, he's definitely not ready for it. Uh, I don't think anyone can Really be ready for it. You can prepare yourself as much as you want, but then you get down there and uh, it's just otherworldly. You can't believe what your eyes are seeing. Well, people ask us all the time and my, my answer changes almost depending on my mood or what I'm thinking about or my specific memories because we've been last year. We went to all 14 stadiums. It was filming our documentary, Saturday Supremacy. First, it was a film. Now it's a podcast. Um, people ask all the time, what's your favorite college town in america what's your favorite experience i guess that can differ depending on what we did or my default answer without thinking about it too much has always been athens do you yeah. agree with that i mean what town wise and just i don't know i can't even explain it you got to go there you've got to experience right. athens but the feel of it just a fall day out in athens georgia just the atmosphere everything about walking up to the stadium just the walk that you take just kind of winding up just kind of these streets you see these little houses and and then you're right there and the stadium's just kind of sitting off and kind of this little nook and it, just everything about it the feel of it the town everything just the, the campus to me just screams SEC southern football southern culture sweet tea it just screams it from its the top of its lungs right at me if you're talking tailgate yeah i'm going to go to oxford i'm going to go to ole miss that's kind of the tailgate stadium. I love uh, the stadium down there in Florida, Gainesville. But Ben Hill Griffin Stadium down there with the palm trees. I, I love Florida for the stadium. But 
the whole town and atmosphere, I, Athens, yeah, it sticks out to me. It has to. It, it's you got this great downtown. We filmed our live show at Five Bar down there. Place we just, and plus the friendships that we formed. We formed a relationship with one of the biggest Georgia fans that we'll ever see, uh, David Hughes, down there, and we were able to interview him for our first film, Stadium Crashers, and it changed the film. It uh, it basically changed our entire outlook. I mean, because we wound up going back there for a game um, that next fall. We filmed in the summer and then came back for a game that fall. And it kind of was the end of the film. It, everything about it um, is very special. So looking forward to that, even though, yeah, like, like we said, the Missouri Tigers, the team that we cover, kind of on a weekly basis, has uh, ran and hid from any SEC East contention. Although, hilariously, mathematically still alive. I hate to even say that because it's insane. When you well, lose Vanderbilt, Georgia and Florida st uh, still up. So <laughs> right. mathematically, yes, but realistically, uh, that ship has sailed. Yeah, certainly. Um, so I want to kind of transition uh, to our next guest, who's going to be uh, Marvin Snoop Menace, um, a former All ACC player, is an All American, uh, national champion, Florida State Seminoles. Uh, he was at the last game of Willie Taggart's tenure. Um, before we get to that interview. Noah, before we get to this, because, uh, you know, Snoop's going to have kind of an interesting perspective. He holds Florida State so near and dear to his heart. He played for Bobby Bowden. He won a national championship there um, and played, um, you know, nearly won another one as they almost uh, they played against, I think, Oklahoma in 2000. Beat Michael Vick in 99. Uh, I guess that mm -hmm. was in 2000, the 99 season. But is Florida State, who they, do they, A, pull the trigger too quick on Willie Taggart? B, is this still a top 10 job in America? Whew, that is a tough one right there, that second part. The first part is not tough at all. No, they did not <laughs> go too soon on pulling the trigger with Willie Taggart. Things were a mess there. Uh, he was just the wrong fit, wrong coach. And uh, if you're looking through kind of his history, he hasn't been terribly successful wherever he's gone. He hasn't just jumped out at you with just this dominant coach, and he just has deserved all the opportunity that he's gotten, whether it be Oregon and uh, here at Florida State. He just hasn't wowed you enough. So uh, I kind of scratched my head when they first hired him, and uh, um, I hate to say it, but it looked like I was right in that thinking because he is out. They've got the boosters to, uh, I believe it was somewhere in the neighborhood of 17 to $20 million that they uh, uh, kind of got from yeah. under the couch cushions to, to buy him out, and he's out of there. You're hearing names like Urban Meyer. You're hearing names like Mike Leach, uh, the Stoops brothers, Mark and Bob Stoops, and, and it's all going back and forth. Bob Stoops seems to be the front runner right now. Um, especially since they're talking about they want to have this done by the end of the month, which leads you to believe that Mark Stoops and Mike Leach are out because they're still coaching. I don't think they can work anything out to get someone in place at the end of the month. You're talking about someone who's not coaching right now. Uh, so that would kind of lean towards an Urban Meyer-Bob Stoops situation. Uh, is this still a top 10 program, a top 10 job out there that you're looking at? And uh, you've you got the Florida talent. You've got the players that are a part of – and trying to be there for the university and help recruiting. But I, I just have a tough time saying that this is a top 10 job right now. They're really struggling. It's not to the uh, kind of where Nebraska's at right now, but they're heading that way. They can easily be down the road here in five to 10 years to where we're looking at it and saying, this is Nebraska. This is a one-story program that had a ton of success, and now they are at the bottom of the SEC like Nebraska's at the bottom of the Big Ten uh, just losing to the Indianas of the world and uh, Minnesota, although Minnesota's uh, coming up and they're climbing to where Nebraska should be. But yeah, I'm looking at this and they have got to hit a home run with this hire or they could be where Nebraska is in the Big Ten in the snap of your fingers. 
think about this. We're only six years removed from Florida State winning a national title under Jimbo Fisher. Of course, he bolts and goes to Texas A&M, and that's kind of why they're in the situation they're in now. Uh, Willie Taggart uh, was kind of a polarizing hire, and now here we are. Uh, but they have a chance to, to kind of pull the ship back upwards here. And we're going to talk about that with our next guest, former All-American from Florida State, Marvin Snoop Menace. Snoop, welcome to the show, man. How's everything going? What's up, baby? How you doing? This is just such a pleasure, man. This is years in the making. I tell you what, you know what? This is just, it's so great to have you. Obviously, you played here in Kansas City, where we are, where we cover the Chiefs. Things are rolling here in Kansas City. And we got to talk about your Seminoles, too. Things not rolling necessarily down in Tallahassee, though. Let's get started, baby. <laughs> well, it's, you, well, let's start with that because you were you were there. You were at the game on Saturday in Tallahassee, the, what will prove to be the final game for Willie Taggart. Just kind of take us through this whole thing. Do you, I mean, it's been a year a year and a half, which is kind of unprecedented in, in the coaching realm. But Willie Taggart is, has been fired. You were at the game on Saturday. Kind of what was the tone around Dote Campbell Stadium? And, and kind of tell us just kind of what you're thinking as far as uh, maybe this being an early termination. I mean, what, what is your thoughts on this whole thing? Man, personally for me, it's, it's sad to see Trent, you know what I'm saying? Because, you know, with me, you know, when I first went to Florida State, you know, I, I signed to Florida State to win championships, you know. I played at Florida State during the dynasty years, you know what I'm saying? So, you know, when I got there, you know, it was a, it was a standard set for us, you know what I'm saying, to uphold, you know, um, before we got there, you know, in the 80s, you know what I'm saying, On the, in the late 80s and the 90s, you know, we went 14 consecutive um, years, you know, finishing in the top five in the AP poll. You know, we won two national championships, you know, during the 90s. Um, we won nine straight HEC titles. Um, we had 36 consecutive um, straight bowl games we played in, which was um, a uh, record, you know, the longest streak in college football history. You know, we, um, in 99, you know, my team, we was the first team to ever go wire to wire um, to start the season right number one in the end of the season, right number one as national champions. Um, ever. We was the first team to ever do that, you know, um in the AP poll history. Um, you know, um it, just a lot of success there. You know, my time there we we never, you know, lost a game at home, you know. I mean we we took pride. We took pride in upholding the winning tradition, you know, and um and that's not the case right now. You know what I'm saying? Um I think that's a big part of the problem. You know, and uh, I think that's a part of what led, you know, um, to Coach Taggart's fire, you know, was the expectations, you know, that wasn't being held, you know. And I, I feel sad for him, you know, because he was a great guy, you know, just, you know, things that were done and wasn't getting done. Okay, so as this goes forward here, and obviously you're someone that holds null pride in your heart, you're, you're someone that you were an All American there, you're All ACC, you won a national championship. It's Florida State's in your blood, and it's always going to be. But when you look at the landscape of college football now, do you still think Florida State is a, is a top five or, or a top ten college football job? And kind of what do you think the direction is going to be as as they try to to pull this thing, uh, pull the ship upwards? I guess. Yeah, I do. Um, you know, but um, this this next hire is going to be critical. You know, we they got to find the right guy. You know what I'm saying? But what we do find, you know, he got to, um, you know, he got to come in, you know, hold these kids accountable. You know, uh, this ain't just on the coaches. You know, it's on the kids as well. You know, the players got to step up. 
You know what I'm saying? They got to take pride, you know, in, in women. You know, because that's why I see we lacking right now. We, um, you know, the kids, they don't have the determination, that will, that passion, that drive to win. You know what I'm saying? And that's what we had. And that's what made Florida State what we are, what we became. You know what I'm saying? It's that passion, that determination, you know, to win. You ain't going to beat us. You know, and that's what missing. You know, so I think, personally, you know, I think they got the, they the home run higher. They can't miss on this higher. It's going to set the program back for years. Well, it is. Yeah, and I feel like they need to take advantage of what is kind of a down ACC. You've got Clemson, of course, who right now are as good of a, uh, you know, the, kind of the, the blue standard, the gold standard in college football right now over there. But um, there's no reason why why Florida State can't be right there and be that program that, that's right there. And I think that's what's disappointing. And obviously, you played for, for Bobby Bowden, a special coach, a special person. You were a part of a national championship. Um, you were an All-American at Florida State. Just kind of take us back to that time because when I think of Florida State and Snoop, I grew up in Missouri. I'm a Mizzou fan. I'm watching Florida State and my whole life I'm watching Deion Sanders and yourself and Peter Warwick and uh, you know Charlie Ward making plays and it, it just stood out to me. I watched so much Florida State back then. I think that goes for a lot of people that are around my age. Just take us back through that time period and your four years at Florida State and how special that was for you. That's a disappointing part is that, um, you know, when I play during the times that you discussed, you know, it's about domination, you know, um, you know, like with this schedule that we have right now, you know, I didn't expect us, I expect us to, you know, be nine and three, you know, eight and four. I didn't expect us to be having the um, season that we have, you know, because we have talent on the team, you know, and uh, we have talent in the state of Florida. You know, we're doing a great, we do a great job of recruiting, you know, it's still Florida State, regardless of what we've been going through. You know, the past couple of years, it's still Florida State. You know, we don't bring in talent. You know, uh, but, um, you know, like I told you before, you know, I did not expect us to be where we at right now. You know, because, you know, we, um, Florida State is Florida State. You know, Florida State, when I went there, it was the most dominant school, you know, in, in, in the country. Yeah. You know, every year we was competing for national championships. You know, that's what that was our mindset. Our mindset every year was compete for a national championship, to win, and not just compete for a national championship, but to win a national championship, you know? And if that didn't happen, it was a failed season for us, you know? We lose one game when I played, season was a, a, a bust, yeah. you know? Um, but the, the mindset is different now. That's not the mindset now. You know, like I was, like you said, I was there to the Miami game. You know, I was, you know, I, I was more... I was more hyped than the kids were, than the team was. Wow. You know, than, uh, than the players were, you know, in the locker room. You know, it, it can't be that way. You know what I'm saying? Like, especially for a rivalry game. You know, not for any. It shouldn't be that way for any game. You know what I'm saying? But especially a rivalry game. You know what I'm saying? If you can't get up for a rivalry game, what are you doing this for? Why are you playing? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> you know? Yeah. And, um, you know, that's the difference from then and now, you know, with our program. You know, and... You know, hopefully we get back to that, man, because it's, it, it's sad to see my program the way it is. Um, that's why, you know, I go around, you know what I'm saying, I volunteer and I do my part, you know what I'm saying, to go back, you know what I'm saying, work out with the kids, you know, I go talk um, during the off-season, you know, I go train, you know, with the quarterbacks, receivers, get them corners or whatnot, um, you know, I go back and talk to the team, you know what I'm saying, to let them know, you know, uh, what they're upholding, you know what I'm saying, you know, uh, what's expected. You know what I'm saying? Uh, up there. You know what I'm saying? Because it's a standard when you play for Florida State. You know what I'm saying? And right now, what's going on, it's, it's not it. Take us back to your uh, high school days and kind of what made you 
choose Florida State. You come out in 1997. You're a you're a, you're a pretty pretty high talented player coming out, and you choose Florida State. Was it as simple as the program's rolling? Bobby Bowden comes in, and, and you know you, he, he's just such a enigmatic figure, and you see all the players that are going to the NFL. I mean, what what made you choose Florida State back in '97? Um, I was always winning championships on uh, every level that I played. Um, in part one, of, you know, I was winning two people championships. Uh, when I got to high school, same thing, you know, won state championship. And I always played on a high level for high, um, uh, high quality teams against high quality competition. So I wanted to continue that, you know, and Florida State was the team back then. You know, Florida State, um, Miami, um, Notre Dame, Michigan, Florida, um, those teams. So, um, those were my top five teams, but I chose Florida State, you know, because it was um, it was in the state of Florida, you know, and then, you know, they was always in position to win, to c- compete for a national championship, you know, and that's what I wanted. I wanted to compete for a national championship, and I wanted to c- compete against the best players, you know what I'm saying? Because I figured I'd compete against the pe- best players, that's going to make me better, you know, as a player. And that's one of the reasons I uh, chose Florida State, but the main reason is when I went to visit, man, it felt like home. You know, it felt like family. You know, and I, I was so comfortable there. You know, yeah. And, um, and, that, and that's that's why why I chose there. You know, because um, I was really comfortable. You know, Florida State. And plus, um, you know, me being from Miami, you know, it was tough between Florida State and Miami. But um, what made it a little bit easier for me is that Miami was going on probation. My senior year, I came out in '96. That's the year that they went on probation, so they wasn't going to be able to compete for national championships. And that was the main part of my decision to go to college is to choose a team that was going to get the opportunity to compete for that championship. Well, just kind of talk about some of the, the great players you played with because, you know, you go back just to 2000 where you had such a great senior year. You were the, the leading receiver uh, for the Florida State Seminoles that year, over 1,300 yards, 63 catches, uh, All-American, All-ACC. And, you, you know, you think about the guys that just got drafted off that team, Jamal Reynolds and Derek Gibson, Tommy Pauley, Tay Cody, yourself, Brian Allen, Travis Minor, great running back. Chris Winkie, of course, went in the fourth round, um, even though he was a little bit older than you guys, came back after playing baseball. Just kind of talk about some of these great players that you played with and, and kind of how they propped you up and, and made you better. I played against a lot of the great players, all of them that you just mentioned. You know what I'm saying? When I went to Florida State, you know, um, um, before I signed with Florida State, um, we had Randy Moss, which uh, Randy Moss was my, um, he was my host on my visit. So, you know, he showed me around the town, you know, whatnot. But we had Randy Moss, we had Peter Ward, we had E.G. Green, we had Andre Cooper, E.G. Green and Andre Cooper. Before I got the year, before I got there, both of them had finished the season on um, the previous year um, with 1,000-yard receivers, you know what I'm saying? Um, so both of them was great players. You know, we had LaVarrius Coles, uh, we had Anquan Bolden. You know, we, we had a squad, you know. Um, but um, defensive-wise, you name know, Kutay Cody, you know, and Mario Edwards. You know, um, you know, we had a lot of a lot of great cornerbacks. You know, great defense because um, during during my time, you know, Florida State they probably they see us on defense. You know, so sure. um, I practiced this clip, man. It was it was <laughs> it was tougher than the games. You know what I'm saying? Wow. And that, that's why we that's why we were so dominant as we was because we had so many talented players. But we wasn't just talented; we worked so hard, man. Nobody worked hard. No team worked hard than us, man. We used to do this thing called match drills that we used to work up. Um, 
obviously back in 99, you guys, uh, Florida State, we're switching around here. Snoop, you know what? It's what we do. We're just, we're talking football and I love it. You, you beat Michael Vick uh, in the Virginia Tech in, the, in 2000 to win that championship, the 99 season, 2000 uh, Sugar Bowl, man. Um, is that the defining moment of your career? Do you believe that's, was, is that the greatest moment? You put that on a pedestal as, as, as the, your favorite moment in, in playing in sports in general? Yeah, that was the finest moment of my year yeah. because that's what we do it for. Well, that's what I always did it for. You know, like I had a lot of personal success on every level I played on. You know, um, you know, even with the Chiefs, you know, my rookie year, I had a lot of success. Um, um, like I told you, I wish I could have been more for the city. But um, me, I my mindset always has been to win championship. You know, every level that I played on, I didn't care about you know uh, my personal stats. I didn't care about all that. All I cared about was did we win the championship. You know what I'm saying? And um, that's what it's always been about with me, was winning championships. So. Yeah, and there it was. <laughs> you got, that was a very memorable game. I mean, I, everybody was talking about Michael Vick, and, and uh, you guys were able to kind of keep him in control, and, and I think he scored 40, 46 points in that game. So, um, job we well did, done. We did, man, and we, all, we, we almost got to come back and get it from him. Yeah. You know, the year before, um, yeah. you know, in 96, we beat Florida, the number one team in the country, um, in 96 at Dope. And then we played them again in the national championship. They blew us out, you know. And then the following year after that, uh, we lost to Florida. Uh, we stopped us from going to the national championship. Then we beat got beat by Tennessee in the Fiesta Bowl for the national championship. So that year, that man, we was determined. You know what I'm saying? We was determined not to let let this uh, thing slip away from us. And we got a big lead, you know, during halftime. After halftime, second half, they came back and took the lead back. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So yeah, yeah that was that was a. That was a nerve, uh, nervous moment for that time, but you know what I'm saying? We, we made it happen, man. Got the job done. Well, before we let you go, you know, the, the rumors are flying. You know, people are talking about Bob Stoops, talking about Urban Meyer, even Mark Stoops at, at Kentucky right now. You've got to handicap it right now. You're going to Vegas. Who are you putting your money down on? Who's going to be the next coach of the Florida State Seminoles? I just want to win them. I want to play who's going to, who's going to be a, I want a coach who's going to hold everyone accountable. You know what I'm saying, and, and work the players hard. You know what I'm saying, and, and, and just bring um, bring Florida State back. You know to what we was. You know I don't know who it's going to be, but it's um uh, um I hear, I'm hearing a lot about Bob Stoop. Yeah. You know um I'm hearing a lot about Bob Stoop. You know I wouldn't mind you know Bob Stoop coming in. You know because I know Bob Stoop will give us um will bring us will turn this program around. You know and bring us back to you know what I'm saying um. Respect better than what we used to be, you know. But um, personally, um, I don't know what's going on right now, you know. But we have to make the right decision, you know. Um, the administration and the booster, they have to work together, you know, and bring the right guy in to turn this thing around. Hope because like I told you for a minute, I, I don't like sending us to where we are right now. Absolutely, and you're always one to, to, to pound the drum. You're there and you're – you care, and that's what's important. The Florida State fans care. The alumni care. And I think that with your guys' help, people like you, you don't understand how much you help with the perception of a school. And and I think that that is really important. There's the financial backing is there. Hey, Snoop, that <laughs> yeah, is but, about- Yeah, but you, 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 you got my number now, so anytime you want to have me on, man. Feel free to give me a call, bro. I love my cheese, man. Yep. I love talking to my cheese. We'll definitely do it again. Thanks so much, and uh, best of luck. Uh, everything going forward, and uh, we'll definitely catch up soon, my man. Thank you so much. Much love, baby. Well, there you have it. There's a guy that bleeds Florida State, um, and, and you know, he went there to win championships. He did it, and 
Wow. I, I think that he his plan for Florida State, the trajectory that he has them on, he thinks that this is still a top 10 program as far as a, a coaching job and, uh, you know, with the facilities and with the, you know, the money they have behind them with the, the revenue and the, the stadium they have, although they've only averaged like 54,000 fans this year in an 80,000 seat stadium. Those numbers have to come up. The athletic department can't operate with those empty seats. Uh, so they, they're going to have to bring that up. A new coach going to have to make a splash with this. We're going to see where things yeah. go. The rumors keep flying around, but great to hear from our our guy Snoop. Man, uh, we remember him here in Kansas City as well. So you do. You remember him there, and you feel for him down there at Florida State and what they've been going through and uh, losing Jimbo Fisher to Texas A and M and uh, thinking, man, where are we going to go from here? And they just don't make the right hire. And now it's the the pressure's on with the buyout, uh, the boosters and fans and former players alike are all just pressuring you have got to make the right hire. We cannot keep this going for more years and going down a bad road and continuing to lose and struggling and not being able to find our way. So um, if it is still a top 10 uh, job out there, you've got to get a top 10 coach and make the right hire. Another program that's been talked about as a top 10 job out there is Tennessee. And uh, I guess we've got coming up here is Austin Stanley uh, from A to Z Sports Nashville. Uh, He covers the uh, Tennessee Volunteers, the Tennessee Titans. And uh, we're going to ask him about Jeremy Pruitt. Uh, Urban Meyer was on TV not a month ago saying that Tennessee is still a top 10 job out there. I'm not sure if I believe that either. I know they've got uh, they're, they've got the SEC behind them. They've got money. They've got the boosters, the former players, the over 100,000-plus seat stadium. So maybe it still is, but uh, we got to uh, ask uh, Austin Stanley about that and get into Tennessee where the program is at today. Let's do it. Let's talk some Tennessee and SEC football with uh, Austin Stanley, our good friend from A to Z Sports Nashville, A to Z Sports Nashville.com. Austin, welcome to the show, man. How's everything going? <laughs> uh, they're not. The, the Vols are turning up a little bit, but the Titans roller coaster is uh, <laughs> trending towards a doomsday type feel. Uh, it feels like this this game might um, start the off season early here in Nashville. Well, we're talking to Austin Stanley, A to Z Sports Nashville, A to Z Sports Nashville dot com. We're switch gears just a little bit to talk some uh, SEC football, some SEC East football. Austin, it doesn't seem like all that long ago. Of course, we covered the Missouri Tigers here, but I was kind of looking down into staying on Tennessee and thought they've lost to Georgia State, they've lost to BYU. Look at this, Missouri's now rolling despite the loss to Wyoming, and my. How college football can play some tricks on us, Austin, because just a few weeks later, Missouri's lost to Vanderbilt in Kentucky, and Tennessee has put together a here and an impressive performance against uh, Alabama. What is your assessment of this? Is this maybe a bit of fool's gold, or is Jeremy Pruitt really getting this Volunteers team back to where we thought they might be at the start of the season? Yeah, I actually picked the Vols to go 7-5, and five, and yeah. uh, after after week one, uh, I looked like a fool because we were talking about this earlier this week about how they've changed how everybody's thought about the Vols because after losing to Georgia State, then losing to BYU, starting 0-2, you're looking at the schedule and you're like, I don't know. I don't know how this team gets to four wins. And 4-8 and eight is the worst uh, record the Vols have ever had in their football program, and that happened two years ago. They got Butch Jones fired. Uh, now Jeremy Pruitt's about to be there in year two. You're thinking the sky is falling. Everything looks awful. Uh, but he's really righted the ship. And Jared Garantano uh, has not played up to what his expectations were coming into the season as a starting quarterback. There was talk at SEC media days where I saw you guys down there in Birmingham. A lot of people were talking about how Jared Garantano could be a dark horse uh, quarterback star in the SEC. Has not been that whatsoever. 
he got benched. Brian Maurer, the freshman, had had provided a spark, uh, helped the offense a little bit, but he's had back-to-back concussions, and his future don't exactly know what's going to happen this week against Kentucky, but he hasn't played since that second concussion against Alabama. And since then, Jared Garantano has helped lead this team to back-to-back wins, uh, and that's been very impressive. They're 4-5, and five, have Kentucky uh, in Lexington this Saturday, an opportunity to get back to 5-5. Five and five. Uh, That's a winnable game. The game at Missouri after that is a winnable game. Kelly Bryant, I know he's on the men with a hamstring, and Missouri has not looked good after winning five in a row uh, to get off the schneid after the loss to Wyoming. And then Vanderbilt. There's a lot of issues going on with Vanderbilt. There's questions about Derek Mason's job security here in Nashville. So realistically, yeah, Jeremy Pruitt could go 7-5, and five, just not the 7-5 and five that we all thought. Uh, yeah. But if he does go 7-5, and five, that would be with a 5-3 and three SEC record, which is really impressive uh, considering Butch Jones had nine win seasons back-to-back and only got up to 4-4 four and four in the league. So 6-6 uh, six and six is, the, is the expectation. Get to a bowl game. Save this season that started in disaster. Get to a bowl game. Get those extra 15 practices because there's a lot of really talented young freshmen on this Vols football team that could definitely use those extra 15 practices. Well, we saw it uh, last week with the volunteers. I mean, just talk about Jarrett Garantano. We're looking at it, and yeah, it's frustrating when early in the season we were thinking, yeah, he can be the star for the SEC, but it seems like he's inconsistent, and I think the thing that's frustrating, I don't know if Jeremy Pruitt and all of Tennessee Vols fans, the... same mistakes over and over again. It doesn't seem like he's learning from his mistakes and he just keeps making the same ones over and over. Yeah, he does. That interception he threw late in the first half against UAB, you're sitting there going like, Jared, I thought you kind of had this back together. It it looked like he was kind of coming out of some of those early mistakes, but uh, it seems like um, he's having trouble seeing the field. There was actually kind of a lot of comparisons with Jared Garantano and Marcus Mariota earlier this season where they were kind of having the same type of issues, where they weren't confident in what they were seeing, uh, taking some sacks, just not feeling good about what they saw down the field. And it looks like he's gotten over that a little bit. Um, But uh, right now he's battling the broken wrist. He actually broke his wrist against uh, South Carolina, and he played six days later after a, a wrist surgery that put pins in his wrist. And that was a non-throwing wrist, so he was able to to still throw. But you can see watching that UAB game, he looked like a puppy who had a hurt paw. He wasn't. Mm-hmm. He was just kind of favoring that that wrist whenever he was not playing. And and we'll see how that in, impacts the the Vols quarterback situation moving forward because they've got two guys that I think they feel okay about with Garantano and Brian Maurer. But Maurer's got two concussions and Garantano's got two pins in his wrist. So it's kind yeah. of interesting to see how this plays out. Earlier in the season, uh, Urban Meyer talked about Tennessee is still a top 10 job, top 10 program that you kind of want to go to if you're a coach out there looking around. But Derek Dooley, Lane Kiffin, Butch Jones, now Jeremy Pruitt. Is Jeremy Pruitt the guy? And just how does this go? How does this one-story program get back to prominence? It's hard to, it's hard to know if Pruitt's the guy. Um, I, I definitely think you've seen growth uh, throughout this year. Uh, a lot of people were ready to move on from Pruitt after the first month of the year where they were sitting there at one and four and the only win was against Chattanooga uh, and you lost to Georgia state and BYU the way you did. Um, but he's done a, he's done an okay job of, uh, and done a really admirable job actually of keeping this team together with some of the senior leaders like Jawan Jennings and Daryl Taylor and Nigel warrior 
where they have a legitimate shot at getting to a bowl game to go out the right way. And the way that Jeremy Pruitt's recruiting, he's recruiting bigger guys, he's recruiting faster guys, which is needed the SEC. Uh, and his coaching staff has really come together as well. Um, they've been able to develop some of these players, and you've seen the growth in the players. And that was what you didn't see uh, with previous coaching staff staffs was development. You saw guys you know, come in as a four-star recruit, but he didn't really improve from freshman year to junior year, and then he was out of there. And you're like, what? that was kind of a wasted talent. Uh, but it looks like Jeremy Pruitt's staff knows how to coach kids up. Is he the guy? I, I don't know. But year two, he's saving that. He needs to get to a bowl game. And then I think a lot of people will be excited going into year three because the SEC East has a lot of room to grow. Uh, behind Georgia and Florida, the rest of the teams are kind of shaky right now. And I think Jeremy Pruitt and the Vols could have an opportunity to climb back up there to get closer uh, to Florida and Georgia compared to being hanging around the South Carolina, Missouri, Kentucky, and Vanderbilt's. Well, Austin, uh, thank you so much for joining us, talking about all the goings-on down in your neck of the woods. i tell you what, guys, especially Chiefs fans um, you know, that are wanting to learn more about the Tennessee Titans, see what the Chiefs are going to be up against, definitely go to A to Z Sports, Nashville.com, and uh, you guys do a great job. Uh, you and Zach are awesome. We can't thank you guys enough for uh, you know, kind of giving us some, uh, some, some good banter back and forth, and we always appreciate it. So good luck this weekend, and good luck to the Vols the rest of the way, man. We'll definitely be in touch. Yeah, thanks, guys. Well, there you have it. If you haven't had your fill yet on Saturday Supremacy, I tell you what, go listen to some of our other shows. We have interviewed uh, so many great guests just this year from Joe Theismann talking Notre Dame. Uh, of course, our very first show this year, we had Tim Brando, one of the best in the business uh, as far as college broadcasters go. We've run the gambit from Jacquez Green to Carlos Rogers, Michael Clayton, and more. Uh, we got so much more coming up here on the podcast. Uh, our website, GASNsports.com. That's where you can get all of our shows. Check out all of our articles. It's where everything's uh, publicized right there, GASNsports.com, at GASNsports on Twitter. Thank you so much for joining us. We are ready to lock in here as I hit the road towards Athens, Georgia. Noah, you can just nestle in. You can watch that game from afar and enjoy Alabama LSU because uh, I will be doing that as well uh, in a much different uh, fashion, of course. Thanks so much for joining us. We will be back next week here on the Saturday Supremacy Podcast.